0: Welcome to MIG's Front Page, the official podcast of JMIG, the Journal of Minimally Invasive Gynecology. We interview authors of recent publications in JMIG to keep you up to date on the latest and evidence-based practices in our field. In episode 37, we welcome Dr. Ricardo Aziz, discussing the article entitled, Prospective Cohort Study, Quantifying the Effect of the app 1.0 on the Distance Between the Abdominal Wall and Intra-Abdominal Viscera. Welcome, Dr. Aziz. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for having me here. I am uh, I'm a faculty member at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, uh, Department of OBGYN. Uh, I've been a long-term uh, gynecologic surgeon. I was uh, hired, in fact, in 1987 to start the gynecologic endoscopy program in Alabama. I've uh, published in the area a lot of studies, particularly on adhesion prevention and laparoscopic surgery. In fact, at one point, was uh, president of the Society of Reproductive Surgeons, uh, and so I have a great interest uh, in this area. I'm a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, as well as a fellow of the American College of ob GYN, and thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much uh, for being here. So can you tell us what was the motivation for conducting this study? So, you know, we always have dealt with the issue of uh, complications of abdominal entry in laparoscopic surgery. One of the first jobs that I had back, uh, as I said, before the millennia, uh, was actually to train general surgeons in the new art uh, for them, of course, of laparoscopic surgery. They were just beginning to understand how to do uh, gallbladder surgery uh, laparoscopically, uh, and then appendectomies, and my job was to train them. And there was a lot of issues around potential complications and near misses and so on and so forth, because again, abdominal entry is not as uh, easy as people think it is. There's lots of different techniques and lots of different ways of uh, entering into the abdomen in an endoscopic laparoscopic surgery. But the reality is that there's always a risk there, particularly a risk of injury to major vessels uh, in the retroperitoneum. Uh, and, And in fact, as we have popularized laparoscopic surgery and, you know, by the same token, the amount of laparoscopic surgery has declined across the board, meaning that there are more surgeons doing it, but doing less volume, that level of expertise has also created a level of uh, risk that we need to accept now thankfully the risk is relatively small but when it does happen it can be very tragic and very difficult and so what we wanted to do is begin to create and work with a product that actually helped reduce the risk for abdominal entry you know focusing initially on one of the more common techniques of entering the abdomen right using the very needle uh, to help insufflate the abdomen And we wanted to do this in a way that allowed surgeons that, you know, either did lots of surgery, but also those that did intermittent surgery to provide them with a safer kind of stable and predictable abdominal entry point. Because I think that's one of the things that throws people off is the unpredictability. One of the other things that I think uh, throws off, and, and and I will say this as somebody who's trained many fellows, is the fact that not all of us have tremendous upper body strength, right? As as more women have joined the profession, you know, requiring them to lift huge abdomens with one hand and try to pierce with another is really not something that is easy for everybody, men and women, and certainly uh, for many women. So we wanted to look at a product that did this. One of the things that we began to do as we started uh, the design of this product and so on is to understand, okay, how far does it lift? the abdomen from the big vessels, right? Which is, uh, to me, one of the important things. So let me uh, explain a little bit of what this is, and then we'll have a better idea. This is a plastic dome. It's designed to allow uh, entry uh, in a uh, air-sealable fashion uh, into the abdomen, but it lifts the abdomen uh, using really simple suction, and it pulls away the wall away from the retroperitoneum. Of course, understand, that there's no vacuum, right? We don't, you know, the abdomen isn't empty, but it does pull away the abdominal wall from the retroponeum. This experiment was to determine how far, at a minimum, can this happen? And so what type of study did you all do? So what we did is we, we did a prospective study working with colleagues out of Italy. We did a study where individuals coming in for radiation uh, and radiologic treatment uh, of cancers in this case, really uh, w- really these individuals were uh, under muscle relaxant, right, and under anesthesia. So a very similar setting as you would find in uh, the OR for laparoscopic surgery. surgery these individuals were uh, undergoing CT scanning. So again, it allowed us to be able to apply the device, do a CT scan before the device was insufflated, do a CT scan after the device was insufflated because these individuals were already undergoing CT scans. And this process actually added very little, just a small amount to their time in, under anesthesia so that the risk was actually relatively negligible. And so by doing that, we actually studied the impact right of this device uh, in its insufflation on the uh, on the vessels and the other organs in the body now we tested two sites. we decided that you know there were two sites that were relatively popular: one is the umbilical entry the various needle is placed through the umbilicus, and the other one the umbilical, the various needle is pay, uh, placed through palmer's point point. and so we tested both sites we tested we randomized the uh, subjects to to one or the other site. Uh, and that allowed us to sort of read uh, the uh, the measurements, if you would, to do that. And so that's how we decided. It's a prospective cohort study uh, uh, using a model very similar to what you would find in the operator. So who are the- study subjects, and what exactly was the intervention? Well, the intervention, exactly, the study subjects are, again, individuals undergoing radiologic uh, procedures uh, uh, in the oncology hospital in uh, Milan, Italy, uh, with our colleagues. These are patients uh, of theirs. And uh, the procedure exactly was the application of the Levelap uh, 1.0 over the umbilical area, that's how it was designated, or the Palmer's Point, if that was, how was designated by randomized approach. And, uh, and then we basically, they underwent a CT scan, because that was part of their going to be part of their therapy, CT scan, with the device placed, but no insufflation, and the device uh, uh, insufflated. Fascinating. And what were the results? So what's interesting uh, of the results is that, uh, and again, this was a relatively small study, and uh, even then, the results were quite powerful from a statistical point of view. So I think what's important is that uh, if we understand the anatomy, obviously, of the abdominal wall, there was not a lot of difference uh, between the abdominal wall and the distance to the most proximate organ, right? The organ that's right underneath the abdominal wall. And we wouldn't really expect it, right? Because in the end, it's it's a vacuum right i mean we we don't the abdomen isn't sort of a free space so as the abdominal wall pulls up it, it moves away from those underlying organs to some degree mostly bowel really but not a lot and we wouldn't expect that but it did move almost five centimeters away from the retroperitoneal vessels. Uh, and that was really impressive. Five centimeters, as you know, can be a significant distance when you're actually doing laparoscopic surgery and it also provide a relatively predictable rise away from the abdominal area. And so I think it's important to note that it did uh, achieve uh, what we were hoping to, and that is, again, uh, Elevate the abdominal wall away from larger retroperitoneal vessels and facilitate a more risk-free various needle insertion at both Palmer's point and the umbilicus in the umbilical area, um, even with a relatively small number of subjects. In what future directions do you see for the app? So, you know, the app, I think, is something that is now being tested. Uh, it's FDA-approved uh, for the United States, uh, approved for use in the EU uh, under their, uh, obviously, their own uh, device regulatory areas. So it's available. A number of centers in Europe and the U.S. are trying these devices over time. My hope is actually that the device will be used uh, a lot for resident training and fellow training so that we can provide this lesser risk because there's nothing more uh, damaging to a resident or fellow in training than to have a major complication while they're doing surgery. I've had some of my trainees who had these issues decide they weren't going to do any more surgery, which was tragic if you would ask me. So, you know, we have a lot of work to do as individuals then adapt uh, the Level App to be used because it is being in use now. But also there are things that are being designed. The company is designing uh, the Level App for use in very obese individuals because again, you have to remember that unfortunately in our country, not everybody who goes to surgery is thin a normal weight or even moderately obese, right? Some of them are very obese. So we, uh, they're working on a uh, obesity uh, type model. They're working on a model for pediatric patients, again, smaller frame from that point of view, and, and they're working on models for other kind of interventions, not just uh, laparoscopic surgery through the umbilicus, but perhaps uh, gallbladder surgery, et cetera. So, uh, so the, the company is doing these uh, these different devices, but for the time being, the Level App uh, is here uh, and it is, uh, again, being used to uh, provide what I call a more uniform, safer uh, various needle insertion site. That's wonderful. Uh, do you plan on bringing the Level App to any meeting, such as ADL or ASRM's meeting? I would love to um, play around with such a device. Well, I, I think we, uh, you know, the company, I, I must tell you that I, I'm just an advisor. I'm not, I don't own the company and so on and so forth. So I, I just want to make sure that everybody understands I'm an advisor for the, for CAST, uh, Core Access Surgical Technologies, which is a company but i'm not the owner i don't you know do these things but the answer to you is I do want them to do that because I think it is important for our members, uh, AGL members, ASRM members, uh, others, uh, you know, surgeons, uh, American College surgeons to actually see the device because I think it's, it's a very simple device, relatively low cost, and it really does create, in my opinion, a safer platform for use of uh, various entry into the abdomen. You know, lots of people will say, well, we're going to need to do a randomized try- study to try to figure out if it reduces complications but those are the kind of things that you don't want to do, right? And, and and we also know that the risk of a complication is small, so you have to study thousands and thousands of patients, putting people at risk unnecessarily. It, it reminds me of the of the randomized trial of, you know, parachute, uh, using a parachute or not if you're jumping out of a plane, right? I mean, at some point, you know, RTCs are great, but not for everything. So in this setting, we're collecting a lot of uh, post-marketing uh, data, right, to demonstrate its use and safety, et cetera. And RPCs also doing these kind of prospective studies that actually demonstrate anatomic change uh, uh, of the device. But in answer to your question, Kathleen, absolutely would love to bring it to the meetings. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Aziz. I really enjoyed hearing all about this device, and I hope that you do get it into one of the meetings. I'd love to play around with it. Well, hopefully we will do soon, and thank you very much for having me. Uh, really appreciate everybody being here. Again, thanks for the opportunity. That's been another episode of MIGS Front Page. Thanks for listening to this episode of MIGS Front Page. Brought to you by our team, Courtney Fox, Kathleen Ackert, and Veronica Galaviz. Produced by Daniel Nassar.